When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. It's time for the Wrestling Perspective Podcast. We're back. Lars Fredrickson, Dennis Farrell. Oh, man. Listen, we've had the last couple guests phenomenal, but up there on the bucket list of guys I've been wanting to talk to, and Lars, you made this happen, Timothy Thatcher. I'm so excited. Episode 392 this week. Yeah, I mean, Timothy Thatcher... I remember seeing him when he was, you know, learning. And I think the first time I ever saw him wrestle, he, I, it might have been one of his first matches. I have to actually talk to him about it. And I'm waiting for the, you know, obviously him to come on. But uh, I think it was a battle royal in Vallejo, California. But, you know, I could be wrong. Well, uh, get your questions. You, I mean, have you seen my gray patch right here? I, I have. It looks. It's shaped, it's shaped like a heart. See, look at it. Aw. Is it for wrestling? You heart wrestling? I heart wrestling. But look, and my 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 wife always says, look, as you got a heart on your head. Oh, it's above your head tattoo. It is. You should get a heart tattoo right there for it. But it looks like a bald patch. It looks like, you know, like <laughs> like Will, like, yeah. I, I don't want to make I was gonna say something about Will Smith, but whatever. Well, it's it, so well listen, we should save this when Tim gets on. I'm sure Timothy can can we even call him Tim? Are we friends enough to be like, hey Tim, what's We're up? We're gonna buddy? have to ask him because I don't want to be in a front face lock or a fucking some because he's a stretcher, that guy. He's yeah. a stretcher. Uh, by the way, email address down below. Make sure you get it. Wrestling perspective podcast at gmail.com. Yes. Go there. We want your thoughts whatever you want to email us uh i'll get to these questions now uh i'll save the best yeah. oh are we boring you lars Pretty much. yes all right paul uh no, well, no, no you have to understand here's something there dennis my wife's in italy mm-hmm. my kids are at their mom's i haven't been in, alone in my house since i can remember living the dream i've been alone since monday and it is now Wednesday as we record this before we get into our emails. But I just want to let you know that I've gone to the dump. I have reorganized my garage. Mm-hmm. I have shipped out so much stuff that you just would never, ever believe. I It's been insane the amount of work I've done. I got 10,000 steps just in my garage i was in my garage from 4 p.m to 10 30 p.m and that's how much i was moving around so i you know i digress well listen look for the newest wrestler on the indie indie scene domesticated frederickson he will be coming to a wrestling ring near you 
<laughs> All right, uh, Paul, no place given. Okay, Lars, spill the tea. I know Dennis doesn't know CM Punk. I just text him Wednesday. How do you know I don't know him? Um, so, uh, so he can't help me out on this, but uh, where do you think Punk will end up? I don't know. I really honestly don't know. Um, I know he's probably wanted by every major wrestling company in the world. Um, I'm sure that if he decides that he wants to continue doing, because I mean, right now he's just chilling with his dog. Like he, he doesn't have to go out and work. That's the whole thing. So if he does come back, it'll be because of the love. It will never, it won't be like a motivated, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, he goes to, uh, you know, and I'm just thinking as a fan, you know, I'm not going to say anything because we've, t- we talk about everything. Right. So it's, you know, I don't want to say too much, but I will say that if he does come back, it's going to be for the love of, of the pr- profession, because I mean, he's one of those guys. I mean, he's the last of that generation who kind of learned the way that they learned well, in a lot of ways. Uh, we did put a three-year offer out on the table for him. We haven't not heard back yet. Uh, he said it's. Well, see, that's but there. that's but that's the thing. He has no people, Dennis. That's why yeah. we're going to wait forever. No, but but, but that, what, that's what I'm trying to say. It's like I, you know, the amount of people that have hit me up to get to him, and we laugh about it, you know, because it's like he doesn't have a manager. He doesn't, you know, have these things you know, that normally would, would sort of, you know, be a buffer between you and a company or whatever. He's always been, you know, him and, you know, old school, like old school wrestlers, like before managers, before movie deal, you know, before all that. So, you know, I'm sure he's, you know, there's gotta be something that he is entertaining, but like I said, I don't think he's coming back because he's got, he's got more money than he probably could ever want, you know? And why why would he unless it was something that he was truly passionate about so i would expect the unexpected from him honestly i I think that that that's something that we we probably could expect from him could could we see domesticated frederickson as his manager with like a day planner and a big old cell phone but see that's the thing he doesn't need a manager what he needs i would say is 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 what he needs is somebody to come with him, come to him with something that he could sink his teeth into. Hmm. I only think uh, for me off the top of my head, there's only two companies in this world right now. One, not even being in the United States that I, that I would say that's where you should go. Like if he asked me where I thought he could go, where he should go. Um, By the I way, would- by the way, this is Caleb from Cincinnati's question, so we'll just jump to that. He wants okay. to know, Lars, have you seen the news about Billy Corgan trying to recruit Sam Punk? Uh, can you please let him know, go there? I'd love to see him in an NWA ring. Where do you think he should go? So, I would say Japan. I mean, I, honestly, like I would love to see him in Japan because I think that's always been a dream for him. Mm-hmm. And fuck, why does well do it now? He's never really, he's never done that. He's never had the opportunity. So if he, if I, you know, I don't know, I would think that, you know, what I, what I, if I was his manager, like if I was his manager and, and dictated, I would say, go to Japan, go live out that fantasy. 
you're in the basically the twilight of your career. You know, you're pushing 50. It's a few years away, maybe five or whatever. However, you know, he's he's younger than I am. Can't remember if he's six years because his birthday is tomorrow, th- oh. Thursday. Because it goes punk. I know he yeah. watches every week, right? He does. Yeah. yeah. It goes, it goes punker, Soren, and then skinhead Rob. So that's how I you know all the birthdays. But um where does Dennis Farrell fall in that mix? I don't even know wh- who you are most mm-hmm. of the time. So that sounds about right. That but, sounds yeah, so I mean, but, but I would I would say go to Japan, live out that that dream because okay. you know now's the time to do it. Uh, let's see, Nate from Flat Rock. Are you guys in the doghouse with AEW? I've noticed that you've had little or no AEW talent on the podcast lately. <laughs> I I don't. If we're in the doghouse, we're I don't care. You know, I'm at this point where like maybe I don't think we've reached out to him for talent in a little bit. I haven't because I honestly I haven't been watching it, and I I can't. There's nothing there for me to follow. Like the only thing that we, I would think we had a run of guests for a hot minute. God, what am I twenty again? Uh, we had a run of guests there for a little bit where we had a lot of AEW talent on super quick, and then we were like, hey, we need to back off and get other promotions on. And I don't know if we just haven't revisited there's i mean there's people we'd like to talk to i think they're bryant and edge or whatever he goes by sting. now yeah sting adam, but, it would be adam copeland but, yeah but those are know, guys but, that don't do yeah. interviews much anyways yeah so i mean i have adam's or edge's number i don't know if it's still the same number um but i probably could ask him but uh i know edge watches so edge I mean, it, I know it's been it's been 10, 15 years since I've talked to him, probably. But uh, moral of the story is, is that I think that for me and us as fans, like tonight's Timothy Thatcher, like this is a guy both on our bucket list, right? And we couldn't really touch him when he was with NXT. Mm-mm. So <clears throat> because WWE, you know, that's like it's solid as a rock. I mean, I don't even know where to even begin there. But, you know, NWA has got some great talent, right? Some of the best. Uh, MLW's got some of the best. Uh, Impact. We do a lot of Impact, guys, because... Whoa, whoa, whoa. TNA, okay? I don't know what this Impact BS excuse me, excuse is. Never me, heard sorry. of Impact. Sorry, rebrand, rebrand, rebrand. Yeah. But no, but like TNA, like for instance, and and I wanted to talk about this on, on the show because I think that's the brilliant move. I know you have a different opinion, but... Um, there's so much great talent and diverse talent in these companies that go into AEW. I think who, you know, maybe we'll, we'll venture and we'll reach out. But at this point, it's like, you know, for me personally, honestly, and I'll just be truthful. I'm, you know, they may, I mean, it's kind of personal in a lot of ways, you know? I mean, we, we stayed away talking about this part of it on the podcast. That was a conscious decision that we've made. So I don't know, maybe we'll talk deeper one day, but let's not do it here now. Yeah, uh, yeah. Sam from the Lou, long, 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 long time listener. Uh, Dennis, I've sent you this email. Thanks, the past. Thank you. I've sent you this email the past few times and you've not read it on the air. So here, read this now. Uh, I have to call you out from past podcasts. 
uh, just when it was you and Pete in the past. Uh, you said many times you did not want Alex Shelley on the show because of his disrespect towards you. And you've even told the story of why. Um, <laughs> yes, yes. I've noticed on your podcast when Shelly was on, you seem to enjoy it. Is this where I get to call you a hypocrite? Also, Dennis, will you please show Lars your Halloween outfit that you posted on social media? Thank you, Sam. Uh, yeah, look, uh, I know I know Thatcher's in the right room. We'll uh, go to a commercial break here in a minute and bring him on. But yeah, look, uh, I had a very bumpy start with Alex Shelley, and even kind of still recently, him and I, I don't know. He came on the podcast. He was pleasant enough. And uh, that's I you can't have a guy come on the podcast and be like, hey, uh, thanks for coming on. Do you remember that one time you were a dickhead towards me? You, you just can't do that. No. no. And, uh, and honestly, like, you know, much respect because it's it's one of those things. We, we we're fans. We're we're trying to bring the human interest story of all people, of all wrestlers. You know, I have personal beefs. Dennis has personal personal beefs. It's like, you know, but Alex Shelley is a, is a world heavyweight champion whom I actually like. Dennis had a bad experience. My buddy Derek had a bad experience with Joe Montana. So, and I see Joe Montana at the coffee shop from time to time and we wave. So mm -hmm. it's like, it's, it's, I hate the fucking 49ers. But and and I love my best friend Derek, but like it's Joe Montana and he's waving at me and we become friendly. So what happened to Derek when he was six? I'm not gonna carry that beef over. I already dissed him in front of a bunch of people, anyways, and he got he laughed about it. So there we go. It's over as far as I'm concerned. And by but, the way, you already see the uh, bottom half of my Halloween outfit. Sure. Yes. Well, yes. I wonder who that's gonna be. Yeah. Uh -huh. I mean, too bad you're not. You better wear a few pairs of underwear because you're going to want to fill that thing. Socks. <laughs> I am actually, I, you know, you laugh, but I am going to put socks and ball it up and put it in there because look, I'm 5'9. I'm just now trying to get this like little body going. So uh, I need all the help down there I can get. And if well, I'm going to go hound dogging with the women, I, I got to do a little peacocking, if you know what hey, I mean. Hey, I understand. But you know what, Dennis? I'll tell you this on your journey. I've seen you and you look the best that you've been. And I just want to say that's, it takes a lot of hard work and a lot of self-determination. Kudos to you. Thank you. Fuck off now. I've, I've lost what equivalent could be a fourth grader in weight. So <laughs> <laughs> anyways, listen, that's we have weird. Thatcher in the waiting room. Yes. I can't Let's wait to bring him on. on wrestling perspective. Uh, we'll be back after these uh, messages. Go on. All right, we're back. Uh, Timothy Thatcher. Uh, some people call him Tim. I don't know, Tim. Are we good enough friends where I can say Tim Thatcher or Timothy, or you shut the hell up and get on with the interview, weird guy? Uh, well, in this context, I try to be a calm and uh, uh, very kind individual outside the ring. So here's okay. Maybe if the ring was currently there, then maybe Timothy, because that sounds more like a prick. So right now I'm trying to be a nice guy. So we'll, we'll just stick with Tim. All right. All right. Well, listen, uh, you have been a bucket list on both Lars and I interview, and uh, we're excited that we finally have you. It took a special satellite to track you down in the woods somewhere. I don't want to give away your exact location because right. I think the law is if you're on a podcast more than 40 minutes, the government can track you. So we'll try to get you off at 39 and 39. Oh, goodness. Yeah, we have to know that because, yeah, I just need carrier pigeons to be able to find me. Other than that, uh, 
Other than that, we don't need any outside contact here, please. Uh, yes, sir. Well, listen, I'm going to start off by asking you this question. As you grew up a fan, uh, and from what I've read, you were a writer of wrestling in the past before you climbed into the ring. So as a fan who turned into a podcaster who's never climbed into the ring, when you sat down, the younger version of you typing away on the keyboards, and I, I didn't read any of your work, so I don't know if you were a dirt sheet guy or you just were like, hey, my top five favorite matches were X, Y, and Z. But when you cross over into the industry, do you ever look back on what you what you wrote or what some of your wrestling opinions were and go, oof, I was off on that? So I wrote for a newspaper. Okay. Uh, so I started writing – for originally a newspaper in the Bay Area, very small uh, local paper that came out once a week. And I worked there for a year or so. And for that one, I got to, uh, because Pro Wrestling Iron had a show with uh, Pro Wrestling Noah at the time. And they actually were in the high school that I went to. So I got to write on that event first. And then... When I graduated from university, I had a journalism degree and I knew some guys that wanted to start a paper in Sacramento. And uh, at the time, I wasn't making any money writing for the other newspaper. So I was splitting time between Sacramento and the Bay Area. So I was driving back and forth, working two different jobs. And so when the Sacramento one came up, I was like, well, I can just stay in Sacramento because that's where my other job is. So I'll just stay there, work both of them, and I'll make the same amount. And But it was a newspaper, and the first story they gave to me was do it on a local business. And I had been going to Supreme Pro Wrestling shows in Sacramento at the time. And so I was like, hey, they're a local business. They've been around for four years. This is interesting. I'm going to see if I can write an article on them. So thankfully, I didn't have any opinion pieces on pro wrestling. I didn't write any of that stuff. I didn't do, I distinctly did it as newspapers and I tried to sneak it in as much as possible. So I wrote an article on Supreme Pro Wrestling and uh, I told, because I did not want to be a professional wrestler. That was never a thought that was in my mind. I enjoyed pro wrestling. I liked being a fan, but I was like, I'm not, what, why would I do this? So when I met the people, the big ugly JD Bishop was in charge of Supreme Pro Wrestling at the time. I met him and I was coming to the shows anyways. After I finished writing the article and interviewing for it, I was like, uh, hey, you guys need help with anything? Because I'm coming to the shows anyways. And it was one of those things that like, yeah, I don't, you know, I'm working two jobs and making no money. So uh, if I can get in for free, that will help. So what can I do? They said, uh, set up the ring. Oh, yeah, I can come set up the ring. And then they're like, we need referees. And I said, oh, I would love to be a pro wrestling referee. And Big Ugly was like, okay, but you got to come to all the training. I said, yeah, no problem. No problem at all. So I went to all the training and I was doing that for like about six months, nine months or so, six to eight months or something like that. And I was re refereeing for different small companies all around Northern California. And uh, then Big Ugly went like, yeah, you're picking this up too well. You're going to have your first match next month. I said, excuse me, I'm going to do what? Because I was doing all the training with everything and all that. And so, uh, yeah, so he's like, oh, well, you're going to have a match now. And I went, oh, okay. So, 
you can look at that two ways. One way, there's the romanticized version. He sees something in me. He wants all this stuff. Or you look at the other way, that if I was training to be a wrestler, I had to pay a lot more money for training every month than I was as a referee. And I was showing up to every training. I never missed the practice. So he's like, I can get more money out of this kid. So maybe it's a little column A, a little column B. But in any event, I'm glad it worked out that way because uh, life has been full of wonderful adventures since then. So, Well, I'll tell you what, buddy. I mean, as far as like a wrestler and a fan, like, I mean, I don't even know where to even start with you because I've obviously, we were talking about it before we went on air here. You know, I I was there kind of watching you sort of start and and go on with your career. And at this point right now, I would say that it's it, it'd be hard to find a, uh, anybody that's a better technical wrestler than you. A better, um, you know, I, I just saw you come into West Coast Pro here. Um, you're, you're, you're back home, I guess, so to speak. Uh, you know, you've had a, a long, you know, sort of cool process, you know you were in NXT for, for a while there. Um, what, what happened there? Why, why was there a split? Because, you know, that was when we really, you know, we knew that we had no chance to get you while you were there to talk, but why the split from NXT? So first, thank you very much, sir. Uh, I've been a fan of yours for a very long time. Uh, uh by I the believe- way, uh, Timothy comes out to a, a, one of the best, my favorite bad religion songs of all time. So, <laughs> bonafide punker right here go ahead so uh let's do some history about back in time so you used to hang out at fog city wrestling back in the day in san francisco and the only reason why i wanted to work for that company was because they said lars comes to all these shows <laughs> well i i worked to i just worked there once because i just had to come and i said Hello, sir. You're like, I'm Lars. I'm like, I know, sir. My name's Ted. Pleasure to meet you. And that was, uh, that was the go. So, uh, yeah, that was, so I appreciate very kind words, sir. I hopefully you feel, I feel, uh, inspired by all the stuff you've done and, uh, your creativity and I enjoy all your stuff. So I have to put that in here too, because thank you, bro. No, no offense, Dennis, but that was the reason why I agreed to this. <laughs> <laughs> no taken as I don't do these things, man. <laughs> so. I'll be honest, Timothy. Uh, every time a wrestler comes on and they're like, Lars, I love you. And I sit here going, they have no clue who I am. So it's kind of funny. And you sometimes I'll go, hey, uh. Tell everybody how much you like me too, and then they look like a deer in headlights. I'm not doing that with you because you'll just be my ass. Yeah, well, because I won't make up stuff. I'll just say I'm sorry, Dennis. This is the first time we've met. I only I saw that uh, that you co-hosted the show, and uh, I also side note. I guess we should have kicked this off differently. The I listened to your ones with uh, Mr. Regal, and he started off by chastising you guys by calling him just by his last name. So. Oh, do we have to start hostile on this? How is, is that how it's supposed to go for this? <laughs> no, sir. But uh, I always, please talk about the NXT experience because oh. I always thought you were there because Regal loved you. Anyways, go ahead. Yeah, Miss Regal has always been very kind to me. Like whenever we met, which was probably a long time ago now, I had a tryout for them in like 2012, and he was very nice to me at that tryout and we kept in contact afterwards and he was always yeah 
someone that shared his time and knowledge and effort more on me than I ever thought I deserved. So mm. I will always be grateful for Mr. Eagle. Um, wonderful man. Uh, yeah, so I ended up in NXT. I think it's just WWE is a television show, right? And they have ideas at one point, and certain people fit those ideas, and then the ideas change. And so then other people fit those ideas. It's like any other form of entertainment. You know, it, do, it not necessarily if you're good at your job or good at what you, it's what are they looking for at the moment? And when I got there, I was at the, I mean, thankfully I got there right before COVID because if I wasn't working there during COVID, I would have been in very bad shape. So I will always be very grateful for him for that. And, uh, but I got there at the end of when they were really pushing, we want independent talents. And they were, it was kind of just the tail end. And so then they started, okay, we want to go back to the way we used to do it. And we want to get athletes and all this stuff. And we want a younger crop. I am not a younger crop. I'm a balding man. I am missing teeth. I am losing weight as we speak, sir, because it's harder to keep it on once you get older than when you were younger, right? So, but thankfully they were kind enough for me when they switched that NXT 2.0. They took me off television because of those situations. Because also I wasn't providing uh, how they envisioned what they wanted the show to look like at the time. What I offered wasn't what they want, which is fine. They have all the money. It's their company. They get to make those choices. But they were nice enough to keep me on as a coach. So I got to be Norman Smiley's assistant coach for the beginners wow. for the last six months that I was there. And that was an incredible experience because Norman Smiley has been a coach for them since 2008, I believe. And he was a guy that went all over the world and wrestled so many different styles. And he is so knowledgeable and all that stuff. So that was a wonderful thing for me. So there was still a lot of good people there that were looking out for me. So even when they said, uh, TV, he doesn't not necessarily what we need at the moment. We still want to keep him on for that. And then something I don't know what happened in January, but a whole bunch of people disappeared, including Mr. Regal. So I, I always say, hey, the day I got fired, so did Mr. Regal, so did my good friend Hideki Suzuki, so did Samoa Joe, so did Ace Steel. So I went out in very good company. If I had to go out, that's that's the crew to go out with, you know? So it's one of those things. The NXT WWE is it's an opportunity, and it works out for some, and it doesn't work out for others. And you and it doesn't matter. You'd be grateful for your time that you got to do it. And then you go get to move on with your life and do other adventures. Well, here's one of the things. Sorry to cut you off, Dennis. But I realized that who you are and what you can bring to the table, you could probably have a job anywhere that you want at this point. You come back to West Coast Pro. You're bringing Chris Hero back into the ring after so much time. I mean, the way that you guys told that story where you actually make a baby face, okay? You made that kid, which was totally selfless. And then you do the whole thing and the story there. And it was it was old school professional wrestling where the suspension of disbelief was there. But you, you have these opportunities. You probably could go to TNA. You probably could go to AEW. You probably could go to Japan. 
Is this something that is uh, something that we might see in the future or is it things that you, you know, or maybe are you on your, you would you rather be coaching or where are you at right now? So I've been working for pro wrestling Noah since uh, the middle of last summer. So the summer uh, 2022, after I got released from WWE, uh, as I said, Hideki Suzuki was another coach that was there at the time. And uh, me and him got to know each other very well. And so when he got released, he said, I'm going to go back to Japan. I'm going to work for Noah. Would you like to come? I said, yes, 100%. So that's my main focus right now because I really enjoy being there because that's my kind of wrestling. Yeah. That the, I tried for many years before I never got to Japan before I went to NXT. I tried and I tried and stuff always wouldn't work out. But, uh, so I was very grateful to be part of Noah. And when I went to was a very good time as well. Cause the people that were there were people that I looked up to and people that I wanted to share the ring with. And that's still the case. It's, straightforward simple but a hundred percent passion struggle and effort in pro wrestling so that's my kind of pro wrestling so i enjoy being there and then when i get to be back in the united states i get to work for west coast pro i get to work for independence around which i always enjoy uh eventually i'll get to go back to europe because i spent so much time in germany and england um i spent pretty much three years there right before i got assigned to NXT and that was a wonderful place as well. So I enjoy being more the wandering nomad than I am anything else of being behoven to a place where I have to go every week. I like little control in my life. I always enjoy freedom and I can come and go as I please. You never know when I'll ride into town and when I get out of there. So yeah, it's, it's it suits me a lot better, sir. You know, uh, Talking about your journey, the mindset of being on the indies before you hit it big in NXT, and then the mindset of going back to it after you become an NXT superstar, what is the difference? And do you kind of realize when you are on the, you know, the second time on the indies after, you know, you were in NXT, did you kind of notice in your mind the the way you thought or the way you were doing business was different because of that experience? Yeah, of course. Any place you go, you learn different things, and then you apply them as you return. We, you hope that as we go along in this, as in anything in life, you hope you're a different person within a year, that you've learned more things, you've had more experiences, and it leads you to think of certain things a little different. Otherwise, why did you live that year, right? We got to keep moving forward and all that stuff. So, of course, coming back, I mean, working for NXT does change your views on a lot of stuff because every place has puts importance on different things and it's all valuable. So you just got to figure out how to apply it to wherever you end up next. And as we keep floating through our different parts of adventures, there's different things you learn and different things you apply. And sometimes you're like, I wish uh, I kind of knew this a little sooner. It probably worked out better, but that's the key, right? This is all peaks and valleys and trial and error. We're just throwing stuff against the wall and, the hard, one of the hardest things I think about pro wrestling is it's so personal to the individual and the individual has to figure it out. No one can tell you what works for you because what works for one person will not work for the other person, no matter what. 
it's up to the individual to take their own experiences and put them together and then lead that into where they continue on after this, you know. You know, you mentioned hot, hot, what was it? Hot August fights, right? That was the pro wrestling iron show. If memory serves me with, Masada. Oh, was it right? I don't remember the name of it, but yeah, I could see that. I think it was hot August fights because they got, they have the hot August night Sacramento car show. And I think there was a play on it. Yeah. It was in, it was in Vacaville memory serves. So that was the first one. The Vacaville one was the first one. The one that I did was when they came back because it was in, uh, San Leandro High School, and it was Masao and Ogawa defended the GHC tag belts against Nigel McGinnis and Bart Blackston. That was the one I saw. Yeah, the first one. Oh, fantastic, sir. Incredible. Incredible. Because, yeah, the Vacaville one was the first time that they came out, and Masao and Ogawa were a surprise, and they wrestled Billy right. Masaro and Doug Williams. That's I right. I right. to see that one. I went to the, I okay. think, I, I don't know if that was a year or two years previous. I don't remember. But. Okay, so I'm going to go – follow me on, yes, this, on, on this. When I watch you wrestle, I think of the best Arn Anderson. I think of the best Terry Funk. I think of a Tully Blanchard, an old-school wrestler with the facials, the psychology – the working of a body part, these types of, you know, things that I feel like is a forgotten art in the, in the world of professional wrestling, especially on the indie scene. Sure. Did you know getting into this when you, when you, when you started kind of getting the ball rolling, like you said, you're a referee, you're learning real quick. Big ugly is a great trainer. You know, obviously his son doesn't, it's outshines him. Yeah. Incredible, Titus, incredible is doing great. Titus is doing amazing. Doing amazing. I won't be. I wouldn't be surprised if he's going some somewhere sometime soon. Sure. Did you want to mold yourself in guys in in that image of those wrestlers that I've just mentioned? Is that was or like a Kurt Henning or somebody? Did you want to do that kind of thing? So first of all, that's very kind of you to say because all those people are tremendous talents that I will never never reach. But um, for me. There, it was twofold. One, I always equate, there's two matches that really stood out in my mind before I even, as I said, I never wanted to be a pro wrestler. But there's two things that always stayed in my mind. So when I did start being a pro wrestler, they stayed in my mind. First one was Mr. Regal versus Ric Flair. And they did like uh, pretty much a European rules match on like WCW's Saturday morning show. But they did one round a week. So they would only do five minutes. And then the next week they would do the next round and they did that. And I remember that going like, this is, there's something different about this. And it always stood in my mind. And then the second one was all pro wrestling King of Indies uh, 2001, where American Dragon, Brian Danson wrestled Doug Williams. And I was at that one. Was that, I, Ke was that Keysar? Yes. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I think so. And, and I remember sitting watching that match and I was like, okay, this is how it's supposed to be done because I had never seen anything like, and then later the finals was dragon against Loki. And that was also another one that was like, okay, this is how, but once again, as I said at the time, I had no idea I was going to end up being a pro wrestler or anything like sure. that. Um, so that was the kind of stuff that I did enjoy. I did enjoy the older style of wrestling. I liked Terry Funk. I liked Dory Funk Jr. I liked 
there's a group called Battle Arts, which from Japan, which is once again, straightforward, 1000% intensity professional wrestling. That's nothing but passion and struggle. That was the stuff I really enjoyed once I started diving deeper and deeper into it. So, and I was a big fan of the European style as well. I got to see English stuff and all because it was more, I don't know, man, it was more physical. It was in there. It was older style pro wrestling because it used to be rugged Ronnie Garvin used to beat the snot out of people and he'd be straight for it. Like those are the kind of guys that always there. So, that was always in my mind. But the other part was, was that when I was training with Big Ugly, we only had a ring for two weeks and we got kicked out of the building. So the rest of my training was in Big Ugly's garage just on mats. So you have to learn how to sell, have to, how to throw, throw strikes, how to learn holds, how to do all facial, because this is what we had an opportunity to learn. Because you're doing the best you can in that situation. So I always had to work very hard to be mediocre. So if this is all I can work on, then this is what I'm going to focus on. And so by the time I started actually having matches stuff, it's like, okay, this is kind of the direction I'm going to go because this is what I've spent the most time on. And I think, once again, going back to what I said earlier, it has to be what's personal to you. It has to fit your own mindset because if you don't believe what you're doing, no one else is going to believe. Exactly. So, so that you can tell the people that are just doing stuff because somebody else, it worked for somebody else and they're only doing it for the fact of that. And you see right through, you know, sir, in the music world that happened all the time and still probably does, right? People pick the thing that someone else was successful on thinking it's going to come to them. But most of the time, you can see right through those people every time. And you're like, Psh, no. You go to the people that are, are being true to themselves and showing what they really feel. You know, along those lines, and I really didn't plan on going back to your NXT time because there's so much more to you. But, man, that pit fight, you and Riddle, uh, I watched that match. And that was when I first said, holy fuck, I want to be best friends with Timothy Thatcher. (laughs) Uh, In in all honesty, that was, and I've seen matches like that before everywhere, but that was something so out of context and so different for any, anything you've seen at that time on WWE television was, was that like a hard concept to get them to do? Or after the match, did they go, whoa, you know, that was, I'm sure they loved it, but it was such a whole different thing for that, for that brand, for that product, for that company that that, like watching it, it changed the way I viewed NXT. It changed the way I viewed you riddle. It was just phenomenal. Well, that's very kind of you to say, sir. Uh, I was very glad that when I did go to NXT because yeah, we, we, Riddle and I had the, uh, the fight pit match. And before then the match that we had, against each other that was a regular singles was very different than what was on NXT beforehand as well. Um, and then after that, I had a couple of matches, only Lorcan too. And I was thinking like, it's interesting. They're letting me get away with this. So I kind of felt a little pride that was my kind of thing that was sneaking in. They were letting it do. Um, I don't think they need, I think it was triple H's idea in all honesty that, to do that because he's like, 
well, these are the guys that we have. We should put them in an environment that will suit what they do. And so when they came up with that and they built the thing and we went in and you looked at it, you go, oh, okay, well, we'll see what happens. The, the wild thing is because this was during COVID, of course. So we did that at 1030 in the morning in front of, wow. in front of uh, people that were training at the performance center. So not real fans, people that are trying to get themselves on TV. And what a bizarre feeling that is to be like <laughs> getting up and just driving to work. And it's like, oh, it's 1030 in the morning. Okay, I'm going to have to get kicked in the face really hard now. Okay, here we go. <laughs> so it's a very, it was a very unique thing. And afterwards, I'm like, I was done at 11. And I was sitting there watching them tear it down. I'll go like, I guess I'm done. I can go home now. I go, but it was very bizarre to be. Yeah, what a weird time that was. But yeah, and that. But I'm glad that the you know that it came off real well. And I got to do another one with Tommaso later on. And then uh, Matt Riddle did one with Seth Rollins for uh, pay per view. So it's kind of snazzy that that was the uh, the kind of one. And I will always be undefeated in the fight pit because I don't think I'll have another one in my life. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm two and zero. Oh. They can't take that from me. <laughs> um, you're pro. You know, you're training, working for Noah now. Do you? Are you going to be stepping in the ring over there? Or is it just behind the scenes kind of thing? No, I, I've been wrestling for them since, yeah, last last summer I started. So I, I go back and forth between the one. I usually do a month or two months at a time. I'm over in Japan, and they get to come home for a bit, and then I get to go back. And then so it's a lot of back and forth on that stuff. But, uh, yeah, I'm wrestling whenever I'm there. We're, I'm on it. <laughs> well, I, I, I say that uh, that was my layman's question to set up this question. Yes, sir. You beat the shit out of dudes. <laughs> okay. And I know that's the Japanese style. Has there ever been a point in your career that someone's taken it too far for you and you have to kind of like, or maybe you've taken it too far? Uh, no, because most of the time we have an understanding Okay. Persons that you're involved in understand what they're getting into. I don't, most of, you know, especially like WWE, you'll end up wrestling everybody at some point. But many other places, they put you with people that compliment you very well and you go together. So usually you don't have that prop because you both are going in there like, yeah, this is what we're going to do. So I had a uh, a well-known, well, something that did me favors, a match with Walter one time in progress in England, which everyone was like, oh, my gosh, what is this? But both of us always know when we get in against each other that it's like, yeah, we know what's, what's going to happen here. Walter being now Gunther, who's yes, now sir. the IC champ. So, you know, um, yeah, so because I was kind of thinking to myself, who you've been in the ring with, it's all a bunch of ass kickers. And now you got Chris Hero. Yeah. You can't say he's not an ass kicker, but it's not like he's got the reputation. Uh, he's got a he's got a different reputation, right? Yeah, well, he's known as the knockout kid for a reason. And the matches that I've had with him before, 
he referenced uh, when we're setting up this one, he referenced our match we had in San Jose, WrestleMania week, eight years ago. And uh, I've had a couple of uh, – a good handful of matches. with. That was the first time I wrestled him in a major capacity. And then since then, I had a match with him, PWG, and there was a few others in Evolve. And, yeah, they're uh, – they – He's the knockout king for a reason. So. <laughs> good, good thing I'm already ugly. I'm not going to lose anything else, you know. So, yeah, he he is. So him coming back now after three years. Once again, much like your profession, sir, there are certain people that no matter how much time off they have, when they come back, they will still have what they had before they left. And I believe Chris Hero will definitely be one of those individuals. So no, November 17th. Yes, sir. In San Francisco, Chris Harrell makes his in-ring return with Timothy Thatcher. So if you're local in the Bay Area here, this is a match you're not going to want to miss. Dennis. What? All right. Uh, we, we've talked a lot about where you've gone, where you've been, where you are now. When you step in the ring now at this point in your career, what do you, as as the philosophy, what do you hope to get out of it opposed to, I don't know, 10 years ago, five years ago, three years ago? Is, is there a difference in the way you think or the way you want to put together matches now, uh, Timothy Thatcher, 2023? Um, I When I started out, I didn't really know what I'm doing, as most people do, right? Didn't. I went in a different direction. You just listen to what other people tell you to do. But there was a point where I changed and I'm like, no, I'm going to do how I think this should be done. And that's when stuff started working out for me. So I, I've said in the brief things that I have, have interviews that I've done before, I've said my thought process is I always rather be forgotten than remember for giving in. So I have to go at it the way that I believe pro wrestling should be. And I've always had that mindset and that I can't change whether if I did change it and all this stuff, maybe, you know, maybe more money would come my way, maybe better opportunities, but I rather it be done the way that I think it should be. And I've kept that for quite a few years now. So that, that is always, always in my mind. And thankfully, it's like a comedian that might be on the outskirts or, or the punk rock, sir. You let your audience find you. Mm-hmm. Instead of chasing the people where you're trying to get as much as possible, you do what you believe in and what you have passion in. And the audience will come to you. Your audience will come to you. And maybe it won't be as big, but they will be completely behind you 100%. It'll be more of a an impact to them and an impact to me as well than it would be if I'm trying to aim for a mass population. And that has been my thought process. That was my thought process when I went to NXT. That is still my thought process now that I'm out of it. It was what led all the way up to that point. So I really believe that is what is key to any of these ridiculous things that we do in life, because otherwise what's the point? You know, I'm not, I, I like being able to support myself and my wife doing this, 
but I don't have to, I don't have to be a big giant superstar. And there's certain things that might give you a little more, but they don't feel right to me. So I can't do them. Now, I, I do want to jump in and ask <laughs> Timothy Thatcher, the fan, the wrestling fan, whether he's the 12 year old boy inside you or however old you are now. Don't look a day over 26, by the way. Um, too kind, sir. Look at that. See? See? <laughs> My answer is otherwise, sir. But <laughs> I may not be in rants. I, did, but I, I, I didn't know we had fluffers on this show. <laughs> it's my job. It's the only reason why you keep me around. But awesome. Timothy Thatcher, the fan, right? Do you Can you look back at your matches and watch them as a fan? And how – how do you watch wrestling and what do you enjoy wrestling now? Do you like and only watch that tough stuff? Do you still like the 80s stuff? Are you into the flippy stuff? What what do you like as a fan? Uh, I enjoy things that are done well. Yeah, right now I'm watching a lot of the older stuff. stuff but right now my big thing is I'm watching a lot of sheep herders matches. That's, oh, what, I'm watching. That's what I'm watching right now. I'm digging all like those ones. I'm watching like uh, from uh, – Sam Houston Coliseum. I just watched them against the Fantastics in like a boot camp street fight thing. Oh, incredible. Those guys were so good at like, they're one of the, they were, their rhythm is amazing of being able to uh, be in and out and working as one person at the same time and coming and stopping. But then the other guy, it's incredible. Like right now, that's what I'm, I'm watching a lot. I do enjoy all that stuff a lot. I still watch a lot of the, uh, like, Terry Funk from all Japan in the 70s and 80s, like Dory Funk Jr., that stuff. I do still love battle arts so much, and I watch a lot of that stuff as well. There's two YouTube people that recently did a massive essay on a guy named Yuki Ishikawa who started the company, and he is incredible. I got to train with him for a while, and he's always been very kind with me as well. When I go to Japan, I always make sure that uh, I go have lunch with them every every time I'm over there because it's a wonderful man. He was super kind to me. He he had an incredible feud with uh, Daisuke Ikeda that pretty much Battle Arts was built around. So you watch those matches. They're incredible. I was lucky enough. WWE was nice enough. After I got signed, they let me go back to WXW in Germany for one more event and Mr. Ishikawa and Daisuke Ikeda had a match against each other, and both men are in their 50s at the point, and they still got a standing ovation from the audience. It was amazing, and I was so glad to be there. And then the next night, they let me and Mr. Ishikawa wrestle Walter and Daisuke Ikeda, and pretty much was my farewell go for that company. And sadly, I haven't been back since, but, I mean, that's a fitting way to go out of, of that place. But I... I do really enjoy all that stuff still. And and people that do stuff well, you enjoy. It's it's difficult, even though stuff changes, but that's okay. I'm not who they're selling it to. You know? So that, that's okay. What's, what's popular with they, – they need the people to watch it, so they need to make it what it is. And I tuned away from stuff in the mainstream a long time ago, wrestling-wise. So – you know, it's hard to, to drag me back into anything that's on TV on a regular basis. So, Well, it's interesting that you talked about, you know, your farewell show there. And I was and I was thinking throughout the show, how many guys I would have loved to see you wrestle. Uh, I mean, 
Masawa would be a great match for sure. you and him. Now, who you are now versus him, basically. Yeah, sure. In the annals of history, you will probably go down as our our generation's uh, Terry Funk or Arn Anderson or uh, William Regal. I, I really, truly believe that because, uh, you know, when you talk about the battle arts, I was an old tape trader, so – I've got all those DVDs downstairs awesome. and now I'm, I'm going to go watch them all. But uh, is there somebody that you're, you, you, you wished or you, you hope to have an opportunity to get in the ring with right now? Is there somebody that you could, you, you it, maybe a current wrestler, a wrestler who's just been fired, who knows? Is there a wrestler out there that you would want to have a match with? Sure. Um, I would like another go with Mr. Gunther because me and him have had loads and loads of history. Like, uh, yeah, when I was in Germany all that time, he was a very good friend of mine. And I am so happy to see that he is the superstar that he always was. And so I'm glad things have gone great for him and he's in the place that he is now. So that would just be for, for old nostalgia's sake. For for me, like, uh, I was grateful for AEW that I got to wrestle Brian Danielson. Um, I would like to wrestle Mr. Claudio Castagnoli of the Blackpool Combat Club. That would be very nice because I'm slowly working my way through. I wrestled Brian Danielson. I wrestled Wheeler Yuta. So, you know, we got, we got Claudio left and we got Mr. Moxley left. So... You know that'd be okay. I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't snub any either one of those goes because uh, yeah, both of them are tremendous. You know, and for my final question, I know we're wrapping up and we've kept you for more than enough time. But honestly, when are we ever going to have you back on? So that's a no. <laughs> you, you do know never, right? After after I'm done with you, you're like block this guy. I'm moving on, <laughs> just like most of my dates. Anyways. Uh, I, I do want to touch on your your current run in AEW, and wh whether you're a WWE guy or an AEW guy, you go in there, and I, I feel like you know AEW kind of more your style, where you can kind of be you, and you don't have to, I don't know, put on the uh, entertainment side of the industry. There, do you go in there, and do you get to? I, I don't know. They all. I'm a fan. So, and I may be talking out of turn with this question, but there's the WWE style. And I don't know if you had to adapt your style a little bit to, you know, on air persona, but when you go into an AEW, do you get to kind of be a little bit more you in the ring? So, so I'll tell you the story. Of the, I'll tell you the story of the AEW match because the full context is very interesting. So I am in Japan and it's one in the morning because of the time difference. And I get, would you like to wrestle Brian Danielson next week on TV? <laughs> yeah, but I'm in Japan right now. <laughs> I live in America. I'll be home in this much time. Can we do it then? 30 minutes passes. I doze back off. What if we fly you from Tokyo? Yeah, okay, but I got to work for Noah that week too. So I literally flew into Dayton, Ohio, 
had the match with Mr. Brian Danielson and immediately flew right back to Japan to wrestle then the next two days for Noah. So I, so needless to say, when I got there, I was just like, yeah, whatever happens is going to happen because I'm just, I'm once again, as I said earlier, I'm just a man that's passing through all the time. So thankfully again, it was against Brian Danielson, who is easily the most famous and probably one of the best wrestlers I've ever been in the ring with easily by leaps and bounds. So, uh, yeah, so I just pretty much followed his lead and whatever's clever. And then I was on the plane back to Japan right afterwards. So there wasn't really much thought process into it's Hey, we're going to do this. And, uh, right. I'll see you. I'll see you down the road sometime because I got to go back to work. But <laughs> I mean, on a side note, how much was how much was called in the ring and how much was worked out prior? I was so TV provides a different difficulty, right? Because TV, your time constraints right. are very the window is very small. So yeah, you you have to put a little more focus on the direction that you're going a little more than uh, I think many other wonderful live events that you get to do and independent shows and all that, where uh, you can go like, Hey, I'll see you out there. But you know, so it's unfortunate, but it's the animal of what television is. And no matter what company you work for, that constraint is going to be there. So. Gotcha. Well, you know what? I, we know that you don't do many of these and we're super honored and blessed that you were able to find the time and do this for us. So thank you from the bottom of our hearts for making us two guys really happy because this is the, this is like been phenomenal. There's so much more that we could ask you, but uh, I'll, uh, with my final question, I guess what I want to ask is, do we ever, I mean, do you foresee yourself coming back to America at some point and wrestling in America full time again? Well, you you too kind, sir. I appreciate it very much. I'm, I'm I'm glad you guys already had all the other guests, and so I was able to slide in right in the go. And I'm glad I didn't provide you with the Alex Shelley experience that you were talking about as I came on the show as I was sitting there. So uh, hopefully it worked out a little better than that. So as long as that happened, then I think it's okay. Uh, I I don't know. I'm a big fan of the Undamed Arrow, Arrow never misses. So at this point, I really like working for Pro Wrestling Noah. Japan really kind of fits my soul. And yeah. so that's the thing. Um, so I don't know. But you never know. Life is always changing. And <laughs> who knows what is down like. In all honesty, as I said before, I never thought I was going to be a pro wrestler in the first place. I never thought I was going to go to WWE ever in my my time either. So all that stuff has happened, and really, I didn't know any of this stuff was going to happen. So who knows what will what will occur as it goes? Life is always changing, sir. Well, I will say, when I first saw you, you were the shits. Uh, <laughs> yeah, of course, of course, of course. But that's the thing. It's like there's a very small amount of people that were good when they started. Most <laughs> no, of us are. Like Utterly rotten. You have to be because that's what gets you to. That's what gets you to figure it out, right? No, I, no but I, it's so funny because when I think back at these matches and watching you and how uh, sometimes you were unsure, and then now I see you and it's like a totally different animal. 
you're in my top 10, you know, of all time. So I hope so. A lot of time has passed. So if I was still, oh, Ooh, I mean, I always try to, it's like people always say, oh, how long you been wrestling? Well, I'm really good for wrestling only four years. It's like, is that how long you been wrestling? Yeah, yeah, four years. Yeah, real good for four years. The just, amount of time actually, eh, maybe not so much. <laughs> just so you guys know, Lars, when you die, I'm putting on your gravestone. Once told Tim Timothy Thatcher he sucked and survived. Hey, that's going to be not in the same room, isn't it? That's the truth. No, no. <laughs> I know he's on the West Coast, but I'm, I'm definitely not going to let him know where I live. Balls this big. That's what you have, Lars. I'm, coming to, I'm telling you, I'm coming to the show on the 17th in One. bubble wrap. One. <laughs> okay. I, I, another a, a side thing. I, besides, besides the West Coast, bro, I know you talk wrestling here, but I would like, to, I would like one uh, – Band story, sir, please. Because yes. the last time I last time I saw you, I got I got to go to punk rock bowling, and okay. you guys got stopped for an hour because the barricade was all messed up. But everyone stayed, and no problem. But I remember they were throwing the stuff at uh, the the lead singer of Youth Brigade. And you came out. Don't you be throwing anything. All you people, you stood out. You gave everyone the you knocked yeah. that shit up. So. But well, I mean, to be brutally honest, I wasn't protecting him. I was protecting my gear. Sure. Yeah, because that's the thing, right? It all comes and you, you can't shade that stuff. Yeah. yeah Holy I mean, crap. I, you know, I, I, we've obviously known the Stearns for, for a long time. I mean, the way, you know, I can't really get too much into it, but I will say that it was it wasn't the best scenario. I mean, we oh, I mean, you were there. It's like we we were off stage for 45 minutes. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like, and we were just going, we were just getting going, but you know, the, the, that's, that's the thing. It's like, you know, when you create so much energy that a barricade fucking breaks, sure, I, mean, you know, Incredible. I mean, that's insane to me. Right. So, uh, you know, I, I feel like where we were at was kind of like, okay, it's crowd safety before anything. Right. Cause you want everybody to get home to their loved ones. And, and I don't want that on my head and neither does any of the band, you know, we're there to have a good time and, and we're there to entertain people just like, you know, anybody else in this, in, in that world. So when that happened and we had to stop and then they start chucking shit yeah. because, you know, I think a lot of people weren't, you know, you know, obviously they had been out in the sun all fucking day. Right? <laughs> it's like 110 degrees out there, you know, cause you're on fucking asphalt or whatever. Um, and then they start chucking sh stuff at, at, at one of the sterns. And I was just like, don't hit my shit. Like yeah. throw all you throw everything that you want at that guy. That's <laughs> totally fine. That's your fucking deal. But if you wreck my shit, then we're going to have a problem. And then the barricade's not going to be your only fucking worry. Yeah. You know I mean? right. So, cause I, you know, that's my stuff. Yeah, you guys got to keep working. Don't break yeah. that. Yeah, and I mean that amp, that amp that I play out of. There's still mud stains from when we played uh, the first show in Lollapalooza was back in '96, and when we played with Metallica and the Ramones and everything. Right. And uh, they were throwing mud at us. Right, because it was the raining one, and everyone was yeah. Oof. And so there's still mud stains on my fucking amps, you know, and it's. It's like, you know, I remember shit like in Italy, they, they loved us. And what they do is if they love you, they throw rocks at you. And it's like, oh, thanks. <laughs> I remember the days when they used to spit on you. It's called gobbing. And, and yeah, you, right. 
and you'd be like covered in hepatitis and you're like, and there's no shower because you've just played some Italian squat and it's like, they're still shitting in a hole over there. So, Oof. you know what I mean? But I you know. guys came back, you did the full thing. Everyone yeah. loved it as always. It's amazing. That's so that's why the live experience is how all this should be experienced for bands. It should be live for pro wrestling. It should be live. You Amen. need to be there. That is the truest form of all of it because the energy is different. You feel the other people, you feel the, the, the band play it incredible. That's, that's what makes that stuff amazing. And it, yeah, there's nothing, nothing like that. Now I will say as a fan and I'm just, Bitballing here, maybe throwing some things against the wall and see what sticks. But if Lars is going to come watch you wrestle, you need to come out to like a Lars or a Rancid song that night. No, just bad just religion. Be- no, 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 no. The bad religion song is his song, bro. <laughs> Hang on now. I, I, can't, I can't do the Rancid one because Miss Ruby Soho is has the most famous one, and <laughs> is known for that. So I can't. I can't. You can't. T- their band's off limits now. They play. Speaking of which, on a side note, how does your band feel about you being like, "Yeah, we got to go play her theme song now"? And like, and during and during all the sets, you always have your wrestling sets. You like, uh, I think you talked about Mr. Punk at the at the one in between. Are they just? Are they just like, ah, Lars likes his wrestling. We'll just put up with it. When he starts the next one, we'll get into it. Or <laughs> how do they have to take all your wrestling? Well, you know what? See, that's the thing. It's that, you know, obviously Punker and I are very dear, close friends. And he's a big, you know, he's a wrestling fan. That's yeah. the thing. I think that's his his big problem. You know what I mean? I think that's why he hasn't, you know, he didn't get along, you know, because he's a wrestling fan. I think he, you know, anyways, it's a whole other show. But you know, like Brody King was there, and a few a few of the other guys, because AEW was running this in in town. Yeah, and um, so, but I mean, that's how I learned how to talk to the crowd. Was I mean, it's wrestling promos. Yeah, right? you know what I mean. It's like it's wrestling promos. It's that's what I'm up there doing. But I believe it. And like you yeah. said, it's like if you don't believe it, people aren't going to believe it. And that what you're seeing up there is authentically 100 me, just on ten. You know what I mean? It's just, it's just, it's, 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 it's just who I am in that sense. But, you know, I, 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 we mark out, I mean, we're, I mean, if you're a pro wrestler and you love what you do, you're, you know, you're a fan, you have to be, of course. You know, it, it's kind of like when, uh, you know, it, it's as if, so it's like, it's, you know, when people who don't tattoo, own tattoo studios, it, it's bizarre to me, right? Yeah. You have to know it 100%. And so it's like, I'm never going to be a pro. I mean, Brandon, our drummer, always makes fun of me. He says, Lars, you're not a punk rocker or a skinhead. You're a pro wrestler trapped in a fucking punk rocker. <laughs> you know, but like, but it's like he he's, you know, there is a thing. I'll never I, I've stepped foot in the ring. I've been a manager. You know, I've, I've promoted a few shows with our friend Kevin Gill. But yeah. like, I would never take a bump. That's just I'm too old for that shit now. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, uh, smarter man. You figured out how to do it without getting kicked in the face. That's, exactly. That's the worst part because once again, the window's a lot smaller for uh, this this look here. Come on now. <laughs> well, I mean, I I so like we were after the show the other night, you know. Uh, so but one more time, November seventeenth, yes. Timothy Thatcher versus Chris Harrell, West Coast Pro. I believe it's at the Irish Cultural Center in yes, San sir. Francisco. I believe it's a seven p.m. bell time. Sure. Go follow West Coast Pro. 
It's Please. one of the best indies I, I've ever been to. I'm so happy with what they're doing. Where else can you meet fucking Kobashi? And yeah, Kobe incredible, Kino? right? Yeah, incredible that he's just hanging out there. And I yeah, know. it's Chris Hero's first match back in three years. And he, if you like pro wrestling, he's one of the guys that really helped a lot of important people get to where they are now because of their experiences with him. So that's yeah, also that. a very important thing as well. Amen to that. But yeah, so go Dennis, close us out. I was going to say, listen, we can say our goodbyes and tell each other how much we love our you two. And then you'll be like, who's this guy? But uh, Timothy, thank you so much for hanging out with us. We'll say our goodbyes off the air as normal. Thank you everybody for hanging out. Wrestling Perspective, rate, subscribe, do all that stuff. Tim, do you have any social media that you want anybody to go follow you? Or are you not at all? Absolutely not. Please, please, uh, no. Okay. Please well, no. Go go support local independent wrestling. Please do that. Right. So yeah. go go see pro wrestling. Please. That's what I. That's what I say. Thank I will you. say the Wrestle Universe. If you want to watch pro wrestling, Noah. That's uh, how you watch pro wrestling, Noah. Because I like the company. I'll say that one. But yeah, social media. No, please don't. Please. Don't. All right. Well then, don't go follow him on Facebook or Twitter. Don't do any of the Instagram. He's not there. You'll get a whole different Timothy Thatcher. Who's I mean, they're all fake accounts. If you yeah. find one that thinks it's not, yeah. Timothy Thatcher. Please no. Yeah. Please no. <laughs> please. All right. Uh, wrestling perspective. Thank you, everybody. Have a good night. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.